Well, hey everybody, it's Mark Boyle again, the prepper guy. Um, I can't wait for uh, Alone, episode two. Uh, watched episode one. Seems to be uh, like it's going to be another winner, I tell you. Now, I have received some heat in the past, and I have made uh, some negative comments about the show itself alone. But that was more about production and uh, the producers, the the whiny, um, let's protect corporate America and not get sued type decisions that they made um, with health issues and stuff. And then when you analyze the health issue, uh, the medics were wrong. Um, they'll never admit that. And the one guy that was pulled, I think, way too early. Um, did get compensated, and he's fine with it. So if he's fine, I'm fine. Um, none of my damn business. But this season seems to be, uh, like, it's going to be pretty damn cool. Now, the first three, I think, uh, seasons were on Vancouver Island. I think it was number four that was in Patagonia. I could be wrong. And then last season was back at Vancouver Island again. This season is the Arctic. And so I think they're north of Canada, up there in the the cold-ass looking area. So uh, that's kind of cool. It looks like they're pretty isolated. And, uh, you know, the thing with uh, Naked and Afraid you know, a lot of times if you're paying attention, you know, they're walking back and forth doing something on day one and they're on a trail and it's not a game trail. So I, I'm thinking, you know, they're not that far removed from civilization. Plus they have a camera crew right there and pretty much they can tap, you know, if they break a fingernail. Alone seems to be uh, always out there where there isn't, you know, a little village over the hill. They seem to be out there uh, pretty isolated this time in the Arctic. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, the contestants all seem to be a, a spry bunch and uh, look like they're a little more hardcore than some of the times, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, what I like about Alone is I, I think it's the $500,000 prize for stand the longest really brings a sense of reality to a survival situation because normally if you're going to be in a survival situation um, not you know made for tv scenario but a real survival situation there is no tapping out um, you can die or you can survive but uh you don't pick up a sat phone and call and get rescued because then you're not in a survival situation. You got a sat phone. So I think what, you know, other than death, which would, you know, keep most people from tapping out, um, $500,000 is, is a good amount of money to say, yeah, I broke this snail, but uh, I'm going to stick it out anyway. So you lose your, your ferrocium rod, um, you're going to try harder to keep that fire going. 
and not let it go out. You're going to keep a wood pile. Whereas, you know, if you just go, ah, I lost my fire rod, I quit, tap out. See, $500,000 all of a sudden makes it almost pretty damn near life and death. So I like that aspect of it. I like that there's not a camera crew right there. Um, I think the, the actual survival part of it, because you're, you're having to set up cameras and, and keep them charged and all that, um, definitely um, slows their efforts. But I, I think, you know, most of them seem to set up one or two cameras around camp and then uh, carry around their little GoPros or whatever they got. And, and so they're not always setting up, taking down for great shots. But it takes some of their time. And, and they do a really well, a good job of it. Um, so I'm I'm uh, happy to see it on again in spite of my uh, bitching in season four, I think it was, uh, about pulling the one guy. But, uh, you know, I'm still watching it because I still love the show. And I've never badmouthed the contestants themselves. You know, I might laugh because they, you know, they do something stupid. But I would expect someone to laugh at me if I did something stupid. I mean, that's just the way we are built. But uh, uh, the show is, is looking to be shaping up. I like the area they're in. Seems to be pretty cool. A lot of resources. And uh, if they play their cards right, they'll do good. Now, one of my critiques of this show and Naked and Afraid is the size of shelters they always build. Um, I think it was season one when... Uh, I think it was David that, you know, won the sh that season. He had kind of more like a, a little hovel, you know, it's like a his little den and he would get in there. It's not like room to do a jig and, and nothing, but it was just so well insulated and buried in there that he wasn't fighting the cold all the time. I mean, it got damn cold, but he spent his time, you know, doing other things but he always kept his his, uh, his shelter really warm and and worked on it really good and and so some of these these uh, contestants now you know take this big tarp and they stretch it up and they you know you're not camping for an overnighter you know where you could get away with that um you're out in some pretty damn cold climate and so how can you heat that you know, yeah, it'll keep the rain off, but, you know, get your tarp down lower, maybe under and around, you know, like like a triangle, and then bury that thing with just, you know, wood so it don't collapse, and then, you know, leaves, and it's not going to rain because you got your tarp in there, and if then if you just keep heaping leaves and debris on it, inside you got a nice clean shelter, and if you built your fire in the right place, you could have a, you know, your fire inside, you know, kind of like in the back with the chimney and stuff. And you could be warm as all hell, which seems to be one of the the bigger things that they struggle with on alone is isolation and, and then their shelters uh, being leaking or being cold or, uh, you know, 
just problem after problem. So you you'd think you'd want to remove that right away and get rid of those that the the cold and and the problems with leaking because it rained a lot on Vancouver Island to where they just you know Dave just sat in his his shelter all the time talking and reading poems and <laughs> guy had a great mindset and an attitude so the uh i think the the first thing you know normally you would do would be uh you know get you some water which doesn't seem to be a problem where they're at this time or last time uh get you a fire and then spend all your you you can go you know a couple of weeks without food you can go 3 weeks without food but you're not going to be a happy camper but if you spent like the first week really drilling down on your shelter while you have energy you do that and then you can lay low and relax most of the time you know when i wasn't hunting and just being quiet sitting there watching the sunset or something is when the animals don't know you're there and they come out you know even you know my wife had a deer walk right up to her when she was sitting there um, you know just looking off a cliff there enjoying it and and she looks up and here's this deer right there didn't even know she was there so when you're hunting you're 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 actually going to find them which they hear you and then they're always like you know jumping away and like la 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 so you could you know do better hunting once you have a good camp set up and and then let the the critters come to you um i think deadfalls would be good for the little rodents and stuff i think one of the things i might take the my bow for sure and then uh probably some some rat traps a lot of rat traps that would be my uh my go-to thing instead of building snares and all that is just you know rat traps or mice traps or whatever you you know is in that area cuz a rat trap will catch a squirrel and squirrels like to eat all your food so might as well reciprocate um so that was my thing it's like why did they build these big ass shelters you know cuz you're not camping overnight you do, you know you want low warm and and you want heat um and if you're going to spend that much time on a shelter you know if you build it the fire right and everything you could literally have a channel under your shelter where the the heat and the smoke go out the other side and your floor is warm and you're going to be one hell of a happy camper so that's where i think i would spend most of my first week while i had energy and some calories to burn off doing really the shelter and the long-term aspect of it cuz food is always a, a struggle but once you have water and and shelter and heat basically and fire um you're good and then you can go 21 days without food i would think that if if you brought they're allowed to bring some survival rations so if you if you did it right i think you could be doing pretty pretty damn well a lot of people bring an axe it's like oh my god I'm not going to build a log cabin in a survival situation because if the world ended I'm just going to go move into some really cool mountain cabin that the that the owner died from the plague or the zombies and there there's my shelter 
this is a survival situation. So you're, you're not building a house. You're building a shelter. Um, get your water going. Uh, one guy in one of the seasons actually had built him like a, a small latrine inside to where he could stand there. And it was kind of like a, I remember it was a piece of bark or a leaf or something. And then it ran outside so he could, you know, do number one inside of his warm shelter. And then it just ran out and down, you know, away from his, his, uh, his shelter, which I think that was pretty cool. You know, if you're a fan of the, the old uh, Disney movie, Swiss Family Robinson, where they had running water and all that, over time, over 30, 40, 50 days, you can incorporate all those cool things. But if you're building a workshop and all this craziness, then you're blowing through a lot of calories. But you do want to have amenities that take the least amount of energy, not only to, to build, but to maintain that aren't going to zap your, your calories because you're in a survival situation. There's no guarantee on food. But if you got water, then you can make it that three days. We all got air. Thank God. Um, and then heat. And if you, if you focus your energies on a really good shelter, most of the time you're going to be sitting around in that shelter, make it comfortable, you know, headroom, but not standing. And, and where you're, protected even from, you know, the, the outdoor predators that, you know, if it's, it's just a pile of wood, they're, they're not going to dig in there. It's almost like, a, you know, like they do in Naked and Afraid where they, you know, put a bunch of wood around it. Ah, I wish I could remember what it's called, but, you know, to keep the lions from coming in at night. Well, you're in a hovel and then your door, you know, it's real small. You can defend that. And if your fire's right there, nothing's going to stick his head in there. You know, and then you could have the the chimney run underground and come up, or at least you capture some of that warmth for your effort. You know, of building a fire, so you're not stacking wood on it all night, where you know the the, the heat's just going like up and out. You're not worried about venting as much because the heat's running under, so you're you're capturing 90% of that heat, and so you know spend their time doing cool shit like that that has a, a high, high return on investment, you know, for their calories being consumed and burned. So I'm looking forward to it to see what this new group of uh, contestants bring to to the table. You learn so much watching people and going, that's a good idea. That, why is he doing that? And, and remember, we're not being judgmental. We're not critiquing. We're not bashing the person you know, so to speak, you know, as if they're stupid and like, hey, what are you doing, dummy? You're you're watching and you're going, that looks like a bad idea. Let's see how it turns out, you know, because he's doing it. Might as well watch. You learn whether it works or not. And you, you as you watch a show like that, you can sit there and go, you if you if you really get into it and you're not being bugged to death by your spouse about watching it, you're kind of almost living it vicariously at the moment. And you're like, oh, man, don't do that. Do that. You know, I would do this. You're, like I said, you're not mocking or making fun of or being a armchair quarterback. You're just going, my first reaction would be to do this. Oh, he did that. How'd that work out? Maybe my first reaction was wrong. Maybe what happens when he does it 
turns out bad and you go, my first reaction was right. But you're learning. And this is what prepping is all about, learning, because America's never had to go through a total collapse or, or you know, I, the Civil War was close in a lot of the states where people were really, you know, struggling to survive. But they lived at a different time and they were used to oil lamps and, you know, egging the chickens and how to do all that. We don't. So we, we need to watch it, these things and read books and audio books about zombies, anything where you gather information. Because when that day comes, it's going to be so weird for us as a nation to go, what the hell? No internet? No electricity? And I see a lot of preppers, you know, that, you know, now if you're living off grid, that's a totally different thing. You want to have solar and you want to have your own well and all that because the world hasn't ended. You're just living a different way. But if the world ended, I don't really want solar um, turning on my lights during the night. I don't want anyone seeing me because people are assholes. So if they see you, then they're going to come after you. Um, so we, we put a lot of emphasis on learning things that if you're off-grid or homesteading is totally relevant. But if you're just in a survival situation because the shit has hit the fan and and America is in a financial, economical collapse, then you're not going to be wanting to be advertising. Hey, here I am. Look at all my lights are on. I got solar. You're gonna you're gonna have to go pretty much dark, and and you know so you don't need to charge your phone. You don't need any of that crap because the world has ended. You know, if it starts working, great. My phone can be sitting there. I can charge it up whenever the shit lights come back on. But until then, I, I don't need it. You know, I'm, I would miss my audio books. And, and I got a little solar backpack charger that would keep my little, you know, MP3 player or my phone charged to where I could listen to audio books and, and stuff. But everything changes on a drastic level. So you're going to want to, learn how to survive in a situation like on a loan to where there's no one there, no one coming to help, nothing's going to happen. If you live or die, it's up to you. So you don't need, you know, hot and cold running water. You need water. You don't need lights and internet. You need heat and fire for protection. That's about it. And food. So, and, and people have told me, well, that's no way to live. No, it is no way to live. It is a great way to survive, but it is no way to live. But if the world ends, we have gone out of the, you know, living stage and gone into the survival stage. So you can't keep using your normalcy bias to go, well, when everything's all effed up and martial law or zombies or whatever, I'm still going to have my TV and my internet, my cell phone. What the hell for? It don't work. So you're no longer, you know, living anyway. So you've got to go into survival mode. And then you, as things go move along, then you move up back into a, a living standard of living type mode as the world stabilizes. So don't get confused with that. Well, Mark, you know, you're prepping to, to survive like 
in the mountains like a caveman. That's no way to live. No, it isn't. And I don't live that way. You can tell by my surroundings. I, I don't live in a cave. But if that happens, then none of us are living. We're surviving. And depending on the, the magnitude of the collapse will determine how hardcore of a survivalist we will have to be. But if you're planning to to run around with your solar panels and your lights on in your house and your Faraday cages with all your comms and everything, then it's not going to happen because nobody else out there is going to have it. And the only people that will will probably be people you don't want coming around. So I, I'm totally psyched for the season of Alone. Can't wait for it to get rolling. I've been debating, should I just record all of them and then watch it at one time, like binge watch it? But no, I can't. You know, as soon as it airs uh, tonight or Thursday night or whatever it is, I'll be watching it. It'll be recorded and I'll click. I'll be watching that shit, fast forwarding and through the commercials. So uh, that's my take on Alone um, in the new season. Hope you guys all watch it. I did drag in some other prepper rant. Um, one of the things that I talked about earlier was a, a book I I'd, uh, was listening to an audio by uh, Mark Goodwin, The uh, Cyber Apocalypse. And uh, I, I think I'm using this book as more of what not to do. Well-written book, but Boy, the, the the people have made some, I would say, dopey ass decisions, and and then I talked about book one. Book two was a continuation of, you know, the story. Uh, book three, um, you know, some of the the things that without you know spoiler alert and all that, you know, they start grouping together people, and. and and the number one reason why I will never, ever be in a group, just telling you right now, ain't going to happen, is because the group kind of gets created out of the neighborhood in which they live. And, you know, they kind of coalesce to, you know, fend off some problems and stuff. But it starts getting to be a vote. And should we do this? And Well, you know, my, my problem with a vote is, Let's say that, you know, 51% of the people like this really stupid idea. And, and, and a couple people are smart enough to know this is really a stupid idea, but they're not articulate enough to make their point. And, and so they get voted out or not out, but shot down. And so then the group goes forward with this stupid ass idea. And you're you're stuck in it because you got you know support the group. But if if your group is making dopey ass decisions, which in this book they do, um then there's a breakdown. And and to me, you know, a lot of patriot preppers go, Well, you gotta have your team, you gotta have a group. And and I was analyzing that today outside in the sun at a hundred degrees out there. Maybe my brain was cooking, but it's kind of a philosophical kind of way of looking at it. Technically, we're in a group. 
right now. It's called America. We've all voted. We've had our representatives. We have our people going, no, yes, no, no. Even if you narrow it down to 50 members of this group called the 50 states, you can see that bad ideas still happen. And, and so I'm in a group. It's called America. And, and I can see it's not working. That's why there's problems. And those same problems are going to carry through on a smaller level with your group or team. Because there's always going to be a challenge for leadership, uh, backbiting. You know, might not, you know, first couple of weeks, just like in the book, everyone's like, oh, thank God you showed up. Oh, let's all get together, and have dinner. I'm going to go, you know, forage. Okay, I'll come with you. And it kind of loosely becomes a group. But then as it becomes more structured, it's like, okay, well, we've joined this bigger group, let's say, and they all want to do this. And it's like, okay, you know, let's. Let's go. Well, now you've got three or four big groups that have merged together to fight this, you know, this enemy called the, the, the federal you know, government or whatever. Um, first of all, you know, constitutionally speaking, there is no federal government when it collapses that bad. There's 50 states. The federal government was created by the states, and when it collapses, it doesn't exist. But states still do. So they want to get together and Oh, well, we'll fight the, the feds, you know, because the president's dopey enough to impose martial law and the states haven't fought it because, you know, they're so tied up with federal welfare that they can't fight. So you're in a group and the president's being a, dac a jackass. And so now the group has decided to do this. So now you create a new group to fight the, the other group which is not going to happen because there's, you know, the game plan was already laid out 200 plus years ago. You know, 50 states, the groups got together and said, we're going to make a thing called the Constitution. This is what the government will do. And it didn't work. So it didn't work because it fell apart. Doesn't mean you can't rebuild it. A lot of people rebuild old trucks and cars because the original platform, the bones to the house are good. It's just people screwed it all up. So why create another group? Now, a, a survival group, as small as it wants to be, is still going to have resources. That's why everyone tells me, Mark, join a group. There's power, strength in numbers, and more resources, and many hands make little work. And I say, yeah, and many hands make a big-ass target. See, because no one's going to come rob me if I'm that old hermit out there that don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out quite literally, well, some big group ain't going to come after me. I mean, they might just walk by and see me and shoot me and put me out of my misery. But that would happen no matter what because people are assholes. But if I'm laying low, they're not going to see me. But if I'm a group of 10 people and then there's three or four houses and now we have what? What do we have that is a big-ass target? Besides having a big footprint, because there's 10 of us and houses and a farm, and some animals. And, you know, they can tell by just looking at it, that's a working group. They must have resources. 
we need resources because we're all a bunch of useless idiots. Let's go kill them. Well, how do you know we can? Well, there's uh, 45 of us and there's 10 of them. We'll just overwhelm them and kill them all while they're sleeping. Okay, burn their house. Down. I don't care. I just went to resources. You know, there's four cows out there. We'll just kill them and eat those. And we don't care about all the eggs and stuff like that. It's kill them and eat it. So if you have a group of two, you have resources for two. Pretty, pretty low key, pretty easy to hide, pretty easy to keep low. There's no footprint of you walking around or nothing if you're, if you're careful. You have a group of 10, that's getting a little more complicated. That's 30 meals a day if you're trying to feed everyone. Um, so now there's, you're more spread out for hunting. You're more spread out for water. Now you're, you're making a, a footprint, a swath through where you are. People will see that. So, and even if you're really cool and everyone goes a different direction and always comes back a different way, which people don't do, then maybe you won't get noticed, but you still have resources for those 10 people. If there's a group of 20 and they're dicks, they might just want to kill you and take your stuff. They might want your women. I don't know. Now, let's say you have a group of 50. How big of a target are you with 50 people? You're no longer hiding in a cave. You are out there growing your food, doing this. Now, you have 50 people, so, hey, that is kind of a pretty good army. But don't ever underestimate the fact that the bad guys that, you know, MS-13 and all these biker gangs or whoever they are out there that, that become the problem didn't just all coalesce together and go, well, there's, you know, 1,500 of us. Let's just ride from one end of this country to the other, killing everyone that's there and taking their food and raping their women. Well, you're going to be one of their big targets because, you know, you're probably part of a little community off of the highway, whatever. So you can see there are logistics that I think are always overlooked. Oh, we've got a big old group. No one's going to screw with us. Right. Well, remember, America is a very big group. We have our own retreat called America. We have a massive standing army with some massively impressive armament and weapons. And yet, people still want to screw with us. They just do it different ways. So the bigger you are, the bigger the target you are. And if you want to be in a group and you really want to be cohesive and you really want to vote and keep it running right, you're in America. Fucking fix that and quit running around trying to create a subgroup. Fix America. Because when it really collapses, you are going to be on your own, even if it's just for a month. You're going to have to retreat, hide, stay alive, escape an evasion, and then you can regroup or make it to your retreat or whatever. And, and odds are, if it takes you a month to get to your retreat because you happen to live in a different state, you were on a business trip five states away, and it takes you a month, your retreat might have already been overrun by the military, FEMA, zombies. I don't know. So 
plan on always being alone. If you're lucky enough to find a good group of people that are all like-minded and trying to stay alive and they're not a bunch of autocratic dicks, then you can join up. You're always free to join and you're always free to walk away. But if, if, if you just prepare to be in a group, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. So I think I covered a gamut today. Hope you liked it. Uh, did my final book review of the cyber apocalypse. Talked a little bit about groups, um, prepping, and da -da -da, alone. Yes. Love you all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.